welcome to the latest episode of the James Scott Henson podcast. Uh, I'm James. <laughs> I have this podcast named after myself, which I'm still not super comfortable with, but it seems to be the only thing that works for branding. You know, I've been going through questions that I get from people and trying to, you know, either answer them on Instagram with a graphic or with a, you know, a little how-to or a video on there. And then others I'm turning into podcasts because they seem to be broader questions. And I've got two that I'm going to address uh, over you know over the next few over the next few days or weeks here. Actually, I'm hoping to record them all today and actually get them you know put out on time. But the thing that I'm really noticing is that for so many of the questions, the answer that I give or the advice that I give or what I suggest is tied into the concept of awareness. And so I thought that what might be most useful would be to just kind of dive in and let's talk about what I mean by awareness. Because it's, I don't know, it's a word that we all know. It's a word that makes sense to us. But in the context I'm using it, it maybe needs to be laid out a little more clearly. So one thing you'll notice if you've been listening to the show for a while is that when I talk about awareness, it sounds a lot like mindfulness. I think that to a great extent, mindfulness has taken on a life of its own. It's taken on its own context and its own meaning, and it's probably been distorted in a lot of ways to where, you know, I see mindfulness these days, I see it as, I see it most often at least, used as a tool to provide anxiety relief, relief from just the daily stresses of life and things like that. And you've heard me, you've heard me just beat this drum over and over that there's a lot more to mindfulness. And so I've actually, I've started shifting to using the word awareness because I think that it embodies and encompasses this deeper meaning. So I think that to, to really dig into awareness, we have to look at how the mind works. And the thing I believe is that the mind, the mind is a tool. It's very necessary for us. It helps us do a lot of things. But like all tools, when it starts being used for things that it's not meant to be used for, we have problems. If you use a hammer to hammer nails into the wall or to pull a nail out of the wall, you're not going to have much trouble so long as you're using the hammer properly and effectively and you don't it doesn't slip off and pop you in the face like all those videos on the internet. You won't have a problem. That's what a hammer's for. If you use the hammer to change the volume on your television, you're going to need a new television. If you use it to settle a dispute with your neighbor, you're going to need a lawyer. It's a tool. It's used for certain things. When we use it for things outside of that, we are investing in trouble for ourselves. That's the way tools work. I think one of the worst things that's happened to us as a species is the belief that we are the mind that we are our thoughts and that this kind of stream of imagery and words and stories and opinions and assessments in our heads is us. It is my belief that when the mind steps outside of the things it's it's useful for, of the things it's created for, designed for, or evolved for, whatever you believe, that's where a lot of our suffering comes from. So, I th- you know, the most obvious question there is probably what is the proper role of the mind? And this is important because I'm not anti-mind any more than I'm anti-ego or really anti-much of anything because I think that most things in our experience have their proper place. And so the proper place of the mind is in helping us assess and make, de- make decisions concerning the real world, 
Uh, if I am shopping for a car, and I think I've used this example before, so just bear with me if I have. Let's say I'm shopping for a car. I In my family is me, my wife, six-year-old Max, six-month-old May, and my 19-year-old son, Tyler. Let's say that I'm looking for a car and a Corvette catches my eye. And I look at this car and I say, that would be cool to have. And I start planning to buy it. And then my mind steps in and says, hey, wait, there's only like two people can fit in this car. Um, what are you going to do with everybody else? Where are you going to put a car seat? Where are you going to put a stroller? Uh, I go to Home Depot a lot. Where are you going to haul wood back to your house? That's a good use for the mind. If the mind looks at it and says, oh my God, it's $80,000. I don't know how much a Corvette is. I'm making numbers up. But the mind says, it's $80,000. Can you afford that payment? That's really helpful because those are these quantifiable assessments of reality to help me not make bad decisions. Those things all together would make me say, okay, I really don't need a Corvette. Now, where the mind would get out of bounds is when it would start wishing things were different. If it said things like, oh, why did I have these kids? Why did I get married? I could still be free. I could go get uh, I could go get an earring and a young girlfriend, and then I could have a Corvette, and we could drive around with the top down. And, you know, at that moment, and this sounds suspiciously like a midlife crisis, uh, and I am 41, so, you know, that's where the mind would start investing in suffering. And so it's actually, I think it's pretty easy to tell where the mind is out of bounds. When the mind is not dealing with reality as it is, when it is saying, if only this, if only that, I wish this, I wish that, we are suffering. When the mind starts predicting the future, when it starts rewriting the past, when it starts reading other people's minds, when it starts guessing about other people's motives, these are all things that it is ill-equipped to do, and all of these things are going to bring us suffering. The mind does this by using our past experience as a template for making guesses about what's going to happen, what's happening right now, what's going to happen in the future. And that's where awareness becomes so, so important. Awareness is the state of consciousness before the mind steps in and starts telling us all these things that we know about situations. And that no, I want you to picture in air quotes, because what we often think we know uh, we don't know. We misuse that word a lot. I know she did that to me on purpose. I know that I know that I know that you were thinking this about me. We don't know that. We think we're making educated guesses and then we say we know and by saying we know we don't leave any room for argument or discussion because we've already decided about the situation. Our knowing, quote unquote, is, is, is it causes us so much trouble because it's often the mind stepping out beyond its job. You know, in, in, in counseling, we have a thing called scope of practice. And if somebody, uh, you know, when I was doing, when I was working as a counselor, if somebody had come to me with something, and this happened frequently, somebody would come to me and say, this is what I'm dealing with. And I can't tell you the number of times I said to people, that is not something that I'm particularly adept at. Let me make referrals for you. If somebody came to me with something like really serious that I wasn't equipped for, I needed to send that out to somebody who was equipped. Uh, I have people ask me about things like, you know, prescribing medication for them. Um, people ask me about medical decisions. I'm not, I don't have the training or the knowledge or the wisdom to, to tell people about that. And so I'm beyond my scope of practice. And so I say no. 
Yet for some reason, we let the mind exist beyond its scope of practice all the time. And then we wonder why we're suffering all the time. Awareness is that place before any of that sets in. It's that place where we can have a clear, stripped down relationship with the things that are coming to us through our senses. And what we find when we dwell in awareness is that things are neutral. All these things are happening in the world. Most of them have absolutely nothing to do with us. A vast majority of them are beyond our control. And they don't need our opinion or our thoughts or our assessments. And when we do bring our opinion and our thoughts and our assessments into those situations, we suffer because we're just, we're out of bounds. We're beyond our scope of practice in that moment. Now, and I understand this is, this is not, this is not a real clear concept. This is not something that's easy because we've lived our whole lives through the, through the filter of the mind. You know, uh, the story I tell a lot, the, one of the clearest examples I can think of in regard to this is that I used to have uh, the, the, the meditation group used to meet on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. in my office. And I guess there was somebody who would go to work around 8.15 and we would hear them drive by and they had one of those really just good sound systems in their car, just thump, 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 thump. And so they'd drive down the street and you'd hear them basing and just thumping coming down the street. And there was one person in the group who I noticed it made them uh, uncomfortable. It seemed to make them angry. And so I asked one time, hey, what, what bugs you about that? And they said, you know, initially it's that, that they're distracted. They're trying to meditate and then this noise. And then after that, it would turn into a series of assessments and judgments and opinions. Uh, things like, why, why does somebody need a radio that loud? What kind of inconsiderate asshole listens to their radio that loud in the morning? And it would, just, it would just be this kind of tumble down series of assessments until this person sitting in meditation was frustrated by, by a sound, by like, by, by like these waves moving through the air. You know, and there was no, it wasn't, it wasn't basing like the F word. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't an especially aggravating noise. It was just simply a noise in reality. And then the mind got in there and assessed it. You know, awareness would simply be being with that sound noticing what it sounds like in and of itself without all the stories of the mind. When we can do this when we're dealing with people and we can keep an open posture, a friendly curiosity towards what they're bringing to us, it's much more difficult to get into conflict with them because we're not making it about us. In situations, like anybody that knows me will tell you, I am pathological about my desire to control my schedule. I don't like having anything on my schedule that I don't want to do. I don't enjoy going to movies very much. I don't enjoy going out to eat very much. But the thing is, is what, what awareness has taught me is that those things are completely neutral. My aversion to them is a sign of my clinging. My aversion to them is a sign of like that I have work to do in these areas. You know, for the movies, I don't like dedicating two, two and a half hours to anything. It's just the way I am. When I watch a movie on Netflix, I watch it in like eight segments. Because I just, it's not many movies that hold my attention for that long. Going out to eat. I don't like being around large groups of people. I don't like, uh, I don't like having to wait for my food. I don't like having to pick from a certain range of options. I'm just a giant, like, baby about it. This has been in me my whole life. But what I found is that these things do not cause me suffering anymore because I simply maintain an awareness of them. Sitting in a movie theater is neutral. Sitting in a restaurant is neutral. Sitting in a car is neutral. Sitting at a red light is neutral. Going to my office is neutral. Having a difficult discussion with somebody is neutral. 
The only way these things start to cause me suffering is when I slip out of awareness and the mind starts telling me how things should be. When my mind starts doing this like record keeping thing of, well, I don't like this and I don't like that. And this was good and this was bad. That's where I start to suffer because I've slipped out of awareness. So what we can say about awareness is that it's as close to a direct observation, a direct relationship with something as we can get. You know, I don't know that like a truly 100% direct relationship can exist um, outside of maybe like uh, psychedelics, um, outside of like when you first wake up and like your ego and consciousness are not fully online, things like that. You know, uh, one, one example that works is that if you say the same word over and over and over and over again, and it starts to sound really weird, that's probably useful. That's probably like, that's an example of how the mind is losing track of all the things it quote unquote knows about that word. Um, you know, in mantra meditation, I encourage people to use, use words that don't have any meaning for them because otherwise the mind is going to start going off on those meanings. You know, when I would teach at uh, a private Christian university, people would want to use Jesus or Prince of Peace or um, Yahweh as their, as their mantra. And the thing is, is that before long, the mind turns that into a thing. You are, you're breathing in Jesus, breathing out Jesus, and the mind starts to think about uh, the work on the cross and how much Jesus loves you and all that. And all of a sudden, you're not really meditating anymore. Um, or if you are, you're meditating on something different. You're not meditating on the present moment. You're meditating on these ideas you have about Christ and, and, and your faith and all those things. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's simply that wasn't what we were doing. You know, we were doing mindfulness meditation, and that, that's not mindfulness meditation. So you can practice awareness at pretty much any time. It's always available to us. And I think the times to do it are the times when we are most bothered by something, when something just seems like it really sucks. When you're waiting in line at the DMV or the doctor's office or at a red light, wherever, if you can bring yourself into awareness and simply notice the things that are coming to you, notice everything coming in through your senses, notice your thoughts, notice your emotions, and try to just stay with noticing. Try to stay with observation. Try to stay with experiencing instead of thinking about. And you'll start to find that all the things that cause us suffering are causing us thoroughly unnecessary suffering. We don't need that suffering. That suffering is a function of the mind slipping in, moving us out of awareness and telling us how things should be. Why can't the city time their lights better? Oh my God, why does my doctor expect me to show up 10 minutes early when he's only going to see me 30 minutes late? These are neutral situations until the mind gets in and starts opinionating about them, until it starts obsessing about how it should be. You know, anytime we're using the word should, we're not in awareness. Anytime we're making comparisons, we're not in awareness. But the thing is that awareness is always available to us. Now, you all know me well enough that I think that a formal meditation practice is the best and most important thing when it comes to cultivating awareness. Taking the time each day to sit in intentional awareness, to sit in intentional non-judgment, non-assessment, non-opinionating, letting things be as they are, that trains our mind to do that in the real world. It's very hard to do this when things are really miserable. You know, I say all the time, it's like, it's like, try, it's like deciding to learn to shoot a gun in the middle of a gunfight. That's not going to happen. That's why people go to a shooting range and they develop the muscle memory and they know all this stuff and it becomes second nature to them. Meditation does that for us with awareness. And so that's the first thing I'd encourage. But outside of that, whenever you notice that you're suffering in any way, and suffering is 
anger, annoyance, frustration, agitation, disappointment, rejection, any of those things. See what happens when you slide underneath all the stories the mind is telling you. See what happens when you can just rest in awareness and see what that does for that situation. See how that changes things for you. I know personally it has been drastically reorienting for me. I have spent my life complaining and criticizing and bitching and moaning. And I really find that I have very little to complain about these days. This applies to chronic pain. This applies to running businesses. This applies to having kids, to being married, to working as a coach, to everything. In awareness, there is no suffering. There's pain, but there's not suffering. In awareness, there is not that sense of how things should be. And I'm not perfect. I want to be clear. I'm not uh, anywhere even close to enlightenment or any of that. I'm a person who has to practice it consistently and who has to. Sometimes I catch myself in the middle of just throwing a fit and acting like a freaking child. But what I've been fortunate in and that the more I practice it, the more that those moments of suffering are a cue to return to awareness. And in that awareness, everything is always okay. So try it out. Just like everything, try it out. If I'm full of shit, find something else. Find another practice that works for you. But personally, this has been a very powerful practice to me. And I think it's going to factor heavily into the next few podcasts as I answer questions that people have asked me um, through email and on Instagram and things like that. So as always, speaking of Instagram, you can find me there. It's just James Scott Henson. You can find me at my website, jamesscotthenson.com. You can shoot me an email, james at James Scott Henson. The best episodes of this podcast have come from questions people have asked. So if anything popped into your head during this that seemed like just nonsense or piqued to curiosity with you, shoot me an email. Um, I'll be glad to elaborate on different things. The, that really has been the, the episodes that are most useful to people or things that have come directly from people asking questions. Uh, and beyond that, I just like meeting people. I really, I really enjoy knowing things about the people on my mailing list. I really enjoy knowing people on Instagram. I've met some super cool people on there. So I enjoy that. I like, I like meeting people and, and just having a relationship with them. I think that's the coolest thing about the internet is how we can do that with people all over the world. Like it's, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, don't hesitate to reach out to me. We'll pick up with questions next time. Uh, until then, cultivate awareness and see what that can do for you. Take care.